Welcome to the Here to Be podcast, a show that gives you full permission to be, to just be you. I'm your host, Megan, a trauma-informed breathwork facilitator and embodiment coach, empowering you to stop looking outside of yourself for the answers and to lead from your inner wisdom. We're going to get real, we're going to get raw, and probably a little woo-woo. I'm so glad you're here to come with.
on the episode that we recorded and shared last month, you were talking so much about this, the importance of, or the press of the importance of self-love and self-acceptance and all these pretty flowery, great or heavy languaging that is done around that. But what is often missed when we begin journeys in this way is that is, I don't want to say the destination because I don't believe that there's a destination, but that's like end game goal. That's way down the road. And so it's, where do we actually start with that? Where do we start small in that? And for you, you shared that was gratitude for your body. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think that's a super interesting thing to even say that it's, I want people to know that they're never gonna probably 100% fully be there, right? Like that it isn't a destination, that so much of this journey is just next level, next level, next level, next level. Um, And I interrupted you. What were you going to ask me? No, I was going to say, where did that idea come from for you? Or where did the beginning of knowing, okay, I have this idea or this concept or this, this inner wisdom where it is time for me to start to shift a little bit more towards loving thoughts or energy toward myself, but I'm there, not there yet. So where did you even come up with, let's start with gratitude. Mm. That's a big question. Um, So it really started because as I, I kind of had, you know, what a lot of in this space, we hear this like dark night of the soul type place. The wheels all came off the bus, like everything in a lifetime that I had kind of stuffed and held and whatever it all it all came to a head sort of at one time but also where I am now you go well it wasn't all at one time Mm -hmm. it just finally was the place easy to see when you look back all of the, the lead up to that of course as we always do for sure and it actually started more as uh I just need to stop pointing fingers at everybody else. And I will say that even in the beginning, that was, that wasn't even the conscious thought. It was more like, I had to figure my shit out. Like, that's what that sounded like to me. And I came to this like big conclusion that I was the only one in control of me Mm. (laughs) that I could be frustrated with this person or that person or whatever. But ultimately, a lot of that was because of who I was. I I wasn't setting boundaries about how to be treated. I had expectations that someone was just going to know something and do it or that they do it because that's how I would have done it. Like, I, I don't know. I, a light bulb finally went off in my head that said, this has nothing to do with everybody else. This has to do with you. So if you're going to figure this out, you're going to have to do it for you. And 
my personality has always been deep caregiver. I mean, it's just, it's what has led to careers. It's, it's still the space that I'm in, but it was so unboundaried. It was so not about me that, and I really, I, I should tell you, I hate the word selfish. Um, I think there's a really bad connotation to it. I think there's ego attached to the word selfish. And so for me, it's more of a coming to know self. It's not being selfish or like, I want this, I deserve that. It's this coming into this place that feels right. And so the long answer to that question is it had to start with a coming to a place of knowing myself and looking at the real shit I had caused in my life. And then when I started to do some of the things, then I started to slowly start to like me more because a lot of what was propelling me previously was, you know, wanting someone else to like me for a certain reason Mm -hmm. or things maybe that motivated me sometimes were unconsciously looking for a reward. And I didn't even know I was doing those things. It's that healing process that starts some of that. So step one was not, gosh, I really need to like me more. That wasn't even a conscious part of it. It was more like, I've got a few choices here, (laughs) like, and none of them look real good. I need to figure some of this shit out. I need to start unpacking all of these hidden places, these things I'm not saying. Um, and I, I need some people to help me do it. And that for me was the turning point. Help was the hardest part. Um, I was real good at hiding. I was real good at the sunny face. Um, And that was a learned behavior, you know, that was a learned behavior from a long time prior to that. I kind of, I had learned how to make everybody else around me happy. And there was this belief system. I think I had that if I made them happy, then I'd be happy. And I didn't get that. I was the center of all of that. Like, well, no, (laughs) it has to it has to start here. So I know that's a real long answer to that, but it wasn't just this quick, like, okay, I'm going to really dive into really liking me. Like that came much later in the healing process. And I'm glad that we went down this way because I know that there's a lot of Uh, many who listen to this, who really do identify with that caretaker space or they're a space holder or, you know, whatever, whatever language I'll choose to spin on it to make it (laughs) to, to add a little bit of spice or to add some, some depth to that. And 
I know that that's a big part for me as well, when that becomes a lot of our identity to say, you know, I care deeply for people or I take care of people. I'm the caretaker. I'm, I'm this, I'm that. We talked a little bit about that in last episode too, is those identifiers and those things that we hold so tight to. And what does it mean when they untangle? And I, for many, and I, I'll speak for myself, for myself, it's very, it has been, and it continues to be a very easy place to hide in holding space for other people, because I don't have to, I'm too busy then to examine the space that's going inside or that it's easier for me to say, I'll just carry it all for you. But like, I'm good. I'm good. I'm good. I'm good. I'm fine. I'm great. No, 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 no. Let this be a distraction. Let this be a place to kind of deter me from allowing somebody to hold me this. I had some good conversations yesterday around this, this um, hyper-independence that we develop. And what happens in that is we create also then the story of nobody can hold me. It's not safe for it. I've always done it by myself. I always do it. And what ends up happening that yeah, cat's raising her hand as I am too, like, does it sound familiar? Are you just explaining yourself, Megan? Why, yes, you are. <laughs> um, but also then what, what happens often and I've seen it in, in my world is when we hold real firm in this hyper-independence, which is a trauma response, when we hold real firm in this hyper-independence space, we believe that no one can hold us. It's not safe. Whatever we kind of believe about being supported, then we try to do a lot of these practices on our own. We try to do them without support you know, whether it's, it's energy healing, it's breath work, it's therapy, like whatever that is, like you try to go down the healing path by yourself. And when those things inevitably, not inevitably, but when they don't work, or when we come up against bumps in the road or traumas that we don't understand or aren't processing, we then think, well, this isn't for me either. Like this isn't the, this isn't, this practice isn't for me. I've shared that so much with breath work. I did it on my own. I didn't understand what I was doing. It was not safe. It was not titrated blew me out of the water, had a panic attack. And my first thought was like, well, I fucked up on this one too. But what I did was just back up the story of, see, nobody could hold me in this because I can't even hold myself in that. So that invitation of saying, I need help. I need someone to hold me. I need someone to hear me, to witness me, to, to create a space for me is such an edge for so many people. For sure. And I think we kind of touched on this just a little bit in the last episode. It's that idea of being teachable too. Mm -hmm. You know, like those two things are kind of the same thing, maybe with different verbiage just a little bit, but I think it's the learning how to ask for help, but then also not thinking that you are an expert or that you know, you know, something that someone else doesn't. I mean, you know, I ended up going to, you know, traditional therapy. It was one of my very first steps. It was a critical piece in my story of healing. I'm a huge proponent of it for people if that feels right to them. But I will tell you, that going there was probably one of the hardest things that I had ever done. I had created a lot of stigma for myself around that idea. Like, I don't need therapy. Like, that's for other people, mm -hmm. you mm -hmm. know? And so 
the just getting so broken down into a place of like, I need some freaking help. I mean, and I didn't like, where, where do I go? What do I do? Yeah. I guess I don't even, I don't even know where to start. Hmm, therapy seems to, you know, help some people or, um, and, and I just, I sort of submersed myself in, in that and podcasts and, I just created this culture for myself around healing. It was through books and podcasts and, you know, my in-person therapist and all of those things were just a critical piece of like, well, we talk about this a lot too. It's like, it's not the, so it's the unpacking of the old story. Um, you know, I do believe in new chapters and all of that, but I had no idea that this was not about like changing the vessel, that it was coming to love it, like it, step into what it was created to be and, um, you know, be comfortable with it. I... The other part of that kind of makes me think too, I also went through a period of really not liking that caregiver aspect of me. Mm -hmm. Like it was almost this aversion of, I'm not going to be that way anymore. You know, this, uh, again, a hypervigilance of not maybe liking that I had been that way my whole life. And now like now that's something I really, I love about me, you know, you know, and even hearing the words you spoke over me in the introduction, you know, last time, or this idea of who am I? Well, in the core of who I am, I'm never going to not be a caretaker or a caregiver or a nurturer. It is a natural instinct for me. I mean, you, you witnessed it last week too. One of the first things I want to do is I want to go be near people too. Like, like I have a inadvertent, like, oh, I want to go sit right next to them and let them know that they're okay, that I'm physically close to them. Um, So now through all of that, it's like, oh, I don't like this about me. I'm not going to be this person anymore. And then this looping back to, oh, hey, no, that's really cool that I was made this way. But I've learned the boundaries around that and the harnessing it and really seeing it as a gift and not a detriment. Well, and when, when those boundaries are in place, it can be done with a healthy balance. It can be done where it isn't just give, 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 give. There has to be a receive in that as well to, to equal that out. What it might not be this, the receiving might not look the same, but there has to be a space of resourcing self in, in with somebody by yourself in many different avenues to be able to, I hate the like cliche of like, you can't pour from an empty cup, but there has to be a space of recharging before it can constantly, otherwise you're just totally depleted. And that's where it does get that pushback of like, I'm not doing that. I don't want to do that. That's not who I am. I have resentment towards it. How dare you want me to take care of you? How blah, blah, blah. 
that's where those feelings start to, for me, start to come into play. For sure. Mm -hmm. For sure. And, you know, that's that where we loop back to like, okay, this isn't a destination. Like the conscious awareness now is, okay, what, what part am I playing in this? Yeah. And what part is someone else? Have I not been clear about what the boundary is? Because if I haven't been clear about that, then I can't expect that someone else is going to understand that, that, you know, if I haven't given them the, this is what I need in this relationship, or this is what I expect, um, you know, I, I have to own some, some parts of that and not be frustrated when someone doesn't meet my expectations. So now it's a, you know, it, it loops back to conscious awareness of like, oh, maybe I didn't make myself clear about what this looks like or what this is going to be like. And I think, you know, boundary in itself is this super interesting word. Like it's not a wall. It's not a moat. It's, I, I almost kind of love the idea that, Hey, it's a guardrail. You know, mm -hmm. guardrails are built, you know, so that we can, we can see through them, but they're like this protective measure to make sure we don't go off the road. You know, they're intended for safety, not confinement. And so I think that's something that, you know, I don't want to get too caught up in verbiage of boundary versus that, but sometimes like metaphorically oh, that makes a little bit more sense to me that, you know, this is a safety measure for both parties involved. And it's not meant to be a barrier or restrictive. It's just like, hey, this is where this path goes. If you go beyond this boundary, guess what? There's a hundred foot free fall down a cliff. Yeah. yeah. I was talking with a breather this morning. Of course, we're having this conversation and you said all of these things because of course, of course. Uh, but I was talking with a breather this morning and she was expressing this dance a little bit or this understanding a little bit of how she can go into situations with an open heart, but also where there needs to be some, that you can't do that all the time. And that, that isn't always, people don't always receive that. Not that you can't do that. It's not always received in the way that we want it to. And so that her questioning around that, and I said, well, it, you have a rib cage. You, what does your rib cage do? Your rib cage protects your heart, your lungs, right in that, that center space of you. And the rib cage is just that it's a guardrail. It isn't complete. It isn't this closed off wall of protection. There's space between your ribs, there's room for that to flow in and flow out. And so thinking of that, that guardrail or that rib cage of, yes, there is a protection there, but it's not a complete exclusion of letting anything in or out. It's just monitoring a little bit or allowing parts of that to float, to be received and to be extended out in its way. Yeah, that's a really beautiful, like physical metaphor for, for that as well. Um, you know, I think for me, another thing that I, I wanted people to think about me is that I was compassionate. Mm -hmm. 
-hmm. and um, learning that compassion is also boundaries. Like compassion to me in old self looked like endless giving, like Mother Teresa type, like I can just give, 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 give. And that equates compassion. Like I really had to reframe that and look back at that as completely different that actually there's, there's boundaries around my compassion. And it has more to do with that. Like you don't get to just take it. It is what I give freely from self as sovereign healed willing. And not just because I want something in return or I'm looking for it. And I, I, I probably would say I, I didn't realize how much I was looking for in return until the wheels came off the bus. But it was a, like, I was looking for things in return that I wasn't always getting. Plus, when you're that person, people find you. Mm-hmm. who are real good at taking, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. you know, and now in the energy world, that makes a lot of sense to me, but you know, people got real good at like, Oh, she'll do it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> she'll mm-hmm. take care of it. Let's ask her, you know, and that would sort of boost my ego. And then it would also create resentment. Yeah. Do you think that almost finding space for compassion in self that it was as this kind of journey with, with gratitude, do you feel that it was awareness remembering I'm kind of, I'm the common denominator here. Uh, there's some awareness, there's some ownership and some responsibility taking in that. And then there's almost an ability to have a little bit of compassion for self and following the compassion for self can usher in some of that gratitude. For sure. I think, you know, that's where that whole verbiage of, you know, just love yourself and all of that, that we kind of keep saying it that way. I think it involves a, a language you need to understand for you. I had to, I think that's a really, another really good word, grateful, compassion for me to say, you didn't know what you didn't know. Mm-hmm. You know, you you weren't taught some of this, you know, a lot of how you are functioning in the world was a a defense mechanism. It was, and it's not this blame part of your childhood. It's just recognition of like, oh, that was the messaging. No wonder I'm this way. Mm -hmm. Like that just starts to make sense for me. Um, And that's a super interesting part of like my healing journey. I remember when my therapist, um, you know, wanted to dive into some childhood stuff and I was like, absolutely resistant. Like, no, I grew up in a loving home. I have two good parents. Like there is nothing wrong with the way that I was raised, Mm -hmm. (laughs) which now anxious laughter inserted like oh (laughs) not quite as healthy as one would have once 
believed. And again, not blame, just lens of, okay, two people in unhealed places themselves coming together, raising children, you add in all the life stressors, you know, the economics, the all of it, like, it just led to some messaging for me about how to function in the world that I didn't realize I had, that I had to really get good at. And what triggered that is that's where some of that compassion had to come in for me Mm -hmm. of like saying, Hey, this is just part of it. Like, it's okay. It's, there's no good. There's no bad. Um, I've actually had to do some of that like timeline type healing and look at certain things, certain places in my life that were really influential and almost, I don't want to say be my own therapist, but like look through the lens that I have now and kind of go back and meet her where she was at, at, you know, 16 and 19 and 22 and 30 and just have a level of compassion of hey you didn't know what you didn't know and I mean I'm really hoping that you know in another 10 years I'll look back at this self and go oh you still had so much more to learn and you know have compassion for this place too yeah yeah that idea that you know, we say those words, you know, you're doing the best that you could do. You didn't know what you didn't know. And also it's really easy to look back from a healed space or from this space and look back and say like, why, what? And, and almost be shameful or, or guilty of like, why would you do that? It's like, well, you have to remember that person was not in the place that you are in. You, you are not in the place that you are in right now. Also, you're not in the place where you're going to be either. So having grace in this moment for how, and the ways that you're showing up too, knowing that you'll look back in 10 years and say, sweet one, you just didn't know. And that's okay. For sure. And when you invite in that, you know, is inviting in the compassion, do you remember the first day where there was, or the first experience of actually feeling gratitude for yourself? Because I, I've shared a lot around conceptually, we get it, we understand it, we get the language, we get what it's supposed to be, but there are these spaces where it hits in and it drops in and it, or it downloads where it's the embodiment of that, where it's like, oh, I actually said those words and I meant it, or I said those words and I felt it. Whoa. Okay. This is what I have been looking for. Oh, yeah, actually I can answer this pretty clearly. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, part of, part of my journey was restoring my faith. And that's a whole nother subject. (laughs) But for me, that was part of what I had to do. And that was a whole nother like healed church hurt. Like I can't even go there in this conversation. 
But uh, for me, there were a few things that were clear. Like I have to get back into a body that sees spirit and feels it. And so what that looked like for me was going back to church and just like dabbling with it and finding where and what and and is church even the right place for me to find that Mm -hmm. relationship with spirit again and again that's been a very up and down course but I do very clearly remember sitting in in the back of a church I didn't really know and it was just this overwhelming like I just started falling and it was the first time I felt loved and seen and cared for by something bigger than me and I I can't really explain it and I don't want to put a ton of like church words around it um but I just knew all of the sudden, all at once, like it rushed into me and I could not stop weeping. And the hardest part was figuring out how I was going to leave out of there because I looked like the psychotic person having a gigantic meltdown. And so And like I say, that had nothing, you know, it was not in a therapy office. It wasn't during a meditation. Like that's where I felt like I was found again. And I mean that in a, in a spiritual sense, like, okay, I am more than this shell. I am more than this. Like I am a soul that's living, breathing, walking here for a reason Um, and it just all of a sudden felt too like, okay, all this work that you're doing means something. All, all of this means something, just don't give up on it. And, you know, I, I'm a huge believer that, you know, I felt that you can find that anywhere. I mean, that that's going to be different for every, every person. I mean, I felt almost that similar thing we hiked up to um uh glacial lake in breckenridge and man i felt that there too it was mm-hmm. just going to places where you feel small so that you can see the vastness of the power in the world is something that i've really learned how to do too and seek that it kind of gets out of your head like all these deep things that we're talking about go somewhere that is so big and expansive that you feel like tiny and you start to get that moment of like I am like a millisecond on this earth why am I fighting this so hard why am I not running headlong into this thing that I've been given Um, and those are some of the things I crave when I start to get real heady, like mm, you gotta go to where you feel small. Mm. Mm. Yeah. (laughs) 
it's just like landing and like sitting and it makes so much sense too, right? It's, it is taking out of that headiness and taking out of the, the tunnel vision that we have really in that space and just opening it up and seeing, seeing the bigger picture of all of that and seeing how we fit into the bigger picture. It's all connected and it's all one, but we're also just this tiny little molecule of it. Yeah, I think, you know, one of my favorite things to do is, you know, we, we go on a beach vacation every year and I mean, what is sand, you know, sand is a bunch of crushed shell and, you know, this minuscule, it's bitsy teeny amount of matter, you know, that then creates something else, but in itself has like lived this whole other life in the ocean it was a pretty shell at one point, you know, something lived in it. And like, when you, when you get small, when you see small, I think it it makes you see big, like Mm -hmm. not to turn that into like some super weird, like tweetable moment or something that people joke about. I don't even have Twitter. So like, I would know. Um, But I, I really think when we get really heady about things, those are the things we have to figure out for ourselves that like, what makes you just open up to the vastness of this? Where are the places you need to go to feel those things? I mean, you know, that's why we travel. That's why we go places. And, you know, it doesn't even have to be, you know, a $10,000 vacation. (laughs) Just, Just make sure you go and you, and you notice and you, you feel some of that. Um, Cause that was another big part of, you know, the journey for me back to self was, was those things, those like, you know, not being submersed in the work all the time too, mm-hmm. you know, not just being on this healing journey, like needing to just feel like a normal breathing, living thing also. Yeah actually living life and not getting caught up in the work all the time. Cause that can be a really addictive place to settle into too. It's like, it's never done. There's always there, the journey's going, it, but we have to take ourselves out of the work and live. Otherwise we're missing the point of it all. For sure. Absolutely. I mean, I think you and I both run these cycles of like, going in it and then just like full retraction back from it Mm -hmm. and just really needing to just live for a little while. And then, you know, it kind of recharges you and brings you back, back into it and makes you a better, you know, practitioner in whatever it is or guide in what we're hoping to bring to other people. But yeah, it kind of goes back to that, like, can't pour from an empty cup kind of thing for sure. Yeah. And the way that you speak gratitude into or offer it into your clients after a Reiki session, or you spoke really beautifully into this, uh, Kat and I get together once a month with a group or whoever wants to come, but an an in-person session of blending breathwork and Reiki. And we had one last week and you spoke into this at the very end. And I loved capping off the session in this way. It felt really like it was actually coming back into self. There's times where we go into breathwork, Reiki, energy work, whatever that is, therapy. And it's, 
this outside space, or we kind of float out of our body, or we have this experience or working on something, but your invitation to speak gratitude or reflect gratitude for yourself at the end was like the all encompassing, like, and it all still comes back to you. Yeah, it's, it's something I work with people a lot on or not really work with them, but sort of remind them of, you know, during, during Reiki sessions or during breathwork sessions, you know, we were talking about this at the beginning. Sometimes you don't get to choose what comes in. Mm-hmm. You know, you, you come in thinking, oh, this, is, I, I love coming to Reiki. You know, I get super zen out and it feels so good. And then all of a sudden a client will have this like super emotional experience and, um, you know, there's tears and, they kind of, they kind of don't know what just happened to them because that wasn't what they ordered on their drive to the session that day. And what I really want people to work with themselves at is this idea of thanking the body for what showed up today. And the other thing that I can almost see it start to happen with people, you know, they're in it. And then we kind of walk out of the room and I can almost see this shift in them where they're kind of, I can see their head starting to go. I can't believe I cried through the whole thing Mm -hmm. or God, I, why am I so weak? Like I can feel the energy shift back to that old thinking or that way of thinking and just saying, Hey, no, no, no. We, this is not the place that we want to be. We want to just look at this miraculous vessel that today felt safety and security. And it said, I don't want to carry this anymore. I'm going to let this come up. I'm going to let it come out. I'm going to let the tears flow. I mean, we're such a culture of hiding, you know, and that, you know, your tears are only relevant in quiet, dark spaces alone. And, you know, if someone else dare see you or hold you in that space, that that makes you weak or less than. And that is, you know, a big part of my mission of like, hey, you didn't come here. (laughs) You know, I know you came here for this Zen experience, but the whole idea of what we're doing is releasing emotions and your beautiful body just did that for you. It said, okay, I'm here. This is what we got today. And so being able to take that step back and just say, oh, you know, thank you for showing up today. Thank you for what you released. Thank you for not choosing to carry it anymore. Um, I really ask people that as they drive away from the the building, you know, that that's their reflective process. It's not a immediate dive right back into their phone or what they have to do that they, they take this moment. If they're writers or journalers, I, I, I say, you know, write it, even go to the notes section of your phone and just like, boom, 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 boom. What are you, what are you grateful for? And and there's uncomfortable parts of that great that gratefulness in the beginning. And then, you know, that's that's where the work is. Like, okay, I showed up one. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that's a big piece. This is what 
got to be present today. And now I'm going to choose to be grateful for what showed up today. And I just think that that's such a powerful thing for you to learn. And that becomes that trusting. You almost have to look at yourself as, I mean, you are constantly having a conversation with yourself. You are like a constant two person show. And so if I could look at you at, you know, post Reiki session and say, Meg, I'm so proud of the work that you did today. I know that this was really, really hard. I know it was deep. I know this is not where you were expecting today, but I'm so grateful that you allowed it to be here. Like it's a whole lot easier, maybe, if I say it to you, or it at least feels like something you can go, thank you, that feels good to me. Like we need to learn that verbiage with ourselves a little bit and to just be quietly graceful, you know, quietly grateful too it does it doesn't have to be grandiose it just revolves about like what are you feeling right then in that moment oh I'm grateful I feel lighter now you know make it simple mm. and you speaking those words into me I almost started crying because I could feel I could feel your heart energy penetrating my heart energy I was like oh, damn I can't don't do this right now um <laughs> But an invitation as we, an invitation as we wrap this up is to actually go back and listen to Kat's words. And I got the privilege of having her look at me and see me in that, but really, truly go back and listen to them and just close your eyes, place your hands on a safe space on your body. Maybe it's your heart. Maybe it's the ground. It doesn't have to be your body, but just actually feel into how your body responds to the words that Kat shared with you and spoke. They were to me, but they're to you, right? They're to anybody. And seeing what parts of those really landed and how you can choose to take those parts. And are there ways or times that you can speak them into yourself? Just insert your name, just replace Kat's voice with yours or take the specific things that really allow this little flutter or a feeling of your heart or that warmth to wash over you and say, I needed to hear this clearly. This is why it, my body responded in this way. How can I begin implementing those words into myself throughout the day? I love it. I adore you, Kat, per usual. Hey. I adore you too. I'm sorry. I almost made you cry. I know. That's okay. That's okay. <laughs> I get to cry. Right? I get to cry. We have to talk about it. Now I'll talk right. about it. Cry your tears, do your stuff. It's okay to be witnessed. Um, and it's okay if you have, <laughs> it's okay if you have resistance or that, that unlearning and that unpatterning of what that feels like too, in those moments, just that full permissioning for it to be what it, what it is for you and examine that, get curious, explore that, have some compassion with that. And all of Kat's information per usual is in the show notes. Anything that you would like to leave anyone with? No, I mean, no, here, let me talk more. No, and <laughs> actually that's, that's so me, isn't mm -hmm. it? Uh, just it, this life really is a journey and, you know, it is all the things we say, be small, be grateful, be secure in yourself. Like it opens up such a world of endless possibility. Um, yeah, 
I just, I, we've talked about this before. Like you want it so badly for everybody else once you have it, you know, or, or pieces of it. And I, and I know now there's more to come, you know, I know now that it really is sort of limitless and yeah, that's, that's exciting. I didn't always live in that place. And so to, to feel that is really expansive and, um, you know, you're a once in a lifetime cosmic event. And so really seeing that as like, Hey, that's cool. Um, is really special. Thank you so much for being here and for listening. I cannot tell you enough how grateful I am for you and that you get to be on this journey with me and we're here together on this wild, this wild ride. If there's something in this episode that landed with you, share it on Instagram, share it with a friend, tag me in and I want to know, I want to hear about it. I love in the ways that we get to connect. And if you feel called, you can head over and rate and review this podcast. It helps us to grow and share and have other like-minded souls join this community and rise together. Sending you light and love always.